The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Breakdown for Tuesday, the 2nd of February. I'm your host, Mr. Jolly of Sydney. Uh, I am Mr. Jolly of Sydney on Twitter. My partner, uh, the other host, is Scotty Harland. Uh, he won't be on for a little while. We'll probably see him, I think it's Saturday week. Until then, you're stuck with me, but some excellent guests as well. Scotty is on Twitter. He is the Harlander23. The Harlander, H-A-R, Lander23 on Twitter. If you've got questions about uh, managing your leagues, uh, if you're a commissioner, things like that, Scotty is a commissioner of about uh, 40 leagues across the three main sports, so feel free to hit him up on Twitter. Uh, he's not potting at the moment, but he is still very active online. Uh, Shout out to the big knobs from Hoopball, Aaron Brewski, who has put out the first edition of the Bruise Letter for this season. And boy, it's like 14,000 words. My goodness gracious, sit down with two cups of coffee to get stuck into that. It's great stuff. Also to Dan Bespris from Fantasy NBA Today podcast and all the great editors and podcasters, all the team over at hoop ball.com go and check it out there's lots of great podcasts there's team podcasts uh all kinds of really interesting and very informed people such as my next guest who does the uh the lakers podcast among many other talents he is of course ethan noroff he is ethan underscore noroff on twitter absolute uh legend former uh journalist well still a journalist but uh he's done all kinds of stuff ethan uh did i how did i go with your intro mate uh, brilliant, man. I mean, I think you slap more accolades on me than my parents ever have. Nah, and all, all jokes aside, I think it was absolutely fantastic. Well done. <laughs> there you go. If Ethan's uh, praising me, my day is going to be improving because it's been a bit rough. I tell you what wasn't rough. Let's just jump into the first thing. Fred Van Vliet. Give me some adjectives to describe him. Unbelievable. Mr. Moneybags. Mr. Bet on himself. I mean, 11 three-pointers, 54 points. That's weak winning stuff in any format. I don't care what, what kind of points, roto, head-to-head, doesn't matter. I mean, he really stepped up tonight, obviously, and, and propelled Toronto to this win over Orlando, to say the very least. And only 37 minutes, which I know is a full slate, but in 37 minutes to drop 54 points, including 11 threes, he had, I believe it was eight at the half. I mean, he was just phenomenal in this one. Yeah, now uh, the, the Raptors did run out winners, 123 to 108 over the depleted Orlando Magic, who've just picked up Frank Mason on a two-way contract uh, that's just come through in the last hour or so, which gives you an idea of how depleted uh, they have been. Frank Mason, while I think of that, is he is really probably on his 16-team league maybe or even deeper? I don't even think he's on the radar at this point. I mean, he's just going to have to get familiar to start with. You got to remember Michael Carter-Williams is still out of the lineup. Not sure when he's going to be coming back, but he'll be coming back at some point. And, you know, I think they're going to probably use more of the parts within. It was nice to see uh, Chuma Okeke on the floor for Orlando in this one. Aaron Gordon obviously out four to six weeks with that ankle injury. Okeke is finally healthy enough to play. Only 18 minutes, but 10 points, three assists, a steal. Definitely a guy I like and uh, somebody who – you know, you could keep an eye on, but probably scoop up in some deeper leagues. Mm. 
Let's talk about the uh, Raptors a little bit first. Of course, uh, that Fred Van Vliet line was 54 points, three rebounds. He still managed two assists, so he did he did dish out a bit. Three steals, three blocks, 17 for 23 from the field. That's probably one of the most uh, efficient scoring performances you'll ever see at more than with more than 20 shots. 73.9% from the field, 11 for 14 from deep. So he was actually more accurate from outside the three-point line than inside, 78.6%, and nine for nine at the foul line. That might be one of the best fantasy lines you you will ever see because with the accuracy at the volume, that's almost unmatched. Definitely in contention for the best fantasy line of the season so far this year. I uh, look forward to more potential options to be nominated in that category, but there's no doubt that the Raptors need FVV to be, you know, not 50 points every night kind of guy, but they need him to be an impact player if they're going to play the level of basketball that they think they're capable of doing. Yeah, they, they have been very up and down this season, haven't they? Um, other talking points for them is pa- Pascal Siakam, who's been poor this season for the most part. He has been better of late. In this game, his shooting was a bit off. I think maybe Van Vliet took everybody's shooting mojo. Uh, he sucked in all of the shooting energy from the like a vortex. Uh, yeah, Siakam had 12, 5, and 8 assists, though, which you love to see. Uh, he had one steal as well, just 4 for 11 from the field, but 4 for 4 from the foul line. And Norman Powell, when he starts, he is value, isn't he? He had 23 points, 2 assists, 4 steals, 7 for 15. But if he goes back to the bench, he, he's borderline valuable isn't he yeah i mean i think with this guy it's all about the role and the opportunity i feel like he's probably not looking over his shoulder so much but there is something psychological about it or it certainly seems to be that way i mean he's a guy who we've seen have plenty of fantasy value in the past and in the current in the context of this season but it really just depends on his role right now you got to ride him while the getting's good Mm. and speaking of well whatever the whatever's the opposite of the getting's good chris boucher he has been outside the top 200 in the last week, outside the top 150 in the last fortnight. He just played 18 minutes, had seven points, five rebounds, two assists, one block, three shots. Now, Aaron Baines is stealing his minutes. He had 32 minutes, but he didn't have a great game either. There was just probably was not a lot of shots there because and not a lot of rebounds either because Van Vliet was hitting everything. <laughs> Baines had four points, five rebounds, one assist. What are we doing here? Yeah, I think it's a good question. I mean, look, I, I wouldn't expect the Raptors to be playing DeAndre Bembry more minutes than Chris Boucher, but that's sort of where we are. Granted, it was only 30, uh, 13 seconds, excuse me, in this one. So I think the Raptors, look, they obviously you know want to integrate Boucher. At least that's what we saw from them earlier in the season. But over the last couple of weeks, like you said, he just hasn't been there. In terms of the fantasy angle, you can't really sell low on him because what are you going to get in return right now? So you kind of have to hold on to him and hope that he can turn it around. Aaron Baines isn't exactly Mount Everest when it comes to playing time, but you know sometimes in fantasy it's it's related to the opportunity as much as it, as it is the skill set. And that's definitely the case with Boucher. I mean, he can definitely be an impact player in limited minutes, but if he's going to only put up three shots and he's going to continue to play the sort of backup type of role, it's not going to work out for people who took him in the third, fourth round of drafts, like I know so many reach for. Now for the Orlando Magic, 
they are another interesting case because obviously with the injuries and stuff, that's opened up opportunity. Cole Anthony is one of my favorite grabs. I, I've got him in a few leagues. I had him in more. I think I might only have him in two, but I've got him in one of my most competitive rotos, and I'm very happy about that because he had 16 points, seven rebounds, two assists, seven for 12 from the field. It's funny, on nights where he doesn't get rebounds, he gets assists and vice versa. He's getting more than five rebounds or five assists every night, one of those two anyway. I think he's averaging about four rebounds and averaging about four assists over the last uh, uh, couple of weeks. And the points are up around that 13 or 14 mark on average. He's a decent pickup, especially for people who lost Mark L. Fultz like I did. Yeah, I think, you know, in a number of my leagues, I can't say that he's been exactly readily available. I think with the increased playing time and the more that he's gotten comfortable, you know, you kind of seen his ability to impact the game a little bit more. He's definitely somebody who, you know, in the, in the case of if you picked up Cole Anthony for Markel Fultz, it isn't exactly the same, but at least you're getting, you know, better than the, the very backup level of production, I would say. And if you were fortunate enough to pick him up and you stuck with him through the early sort of peaks and valleys or bumps and bruises, uh, you know, he's contributing for your team. And I think the opportunity should continue to be there, especially in the event Evan Fournier is miss, uh, forced to miss any additional time. You know, he's not exactly a harbinger of health to say the least right now he's in the lineup but the magic are thin and getting thinner so yeah i think you know cole anthony being the one of the of the few that are healthy in that rotation his opportunities should continue to be there and you know for a guy you pick up nothing wrong with that and vucevic continues to be a league winner he had 21 points 18 rebounds four assists nine for 19 from the field two threes as well uh, just one from one at the foul line, but uh, didn't hurt you there. He just continues to storm along. The aforementioned Evan Fournier he had 21 points, five rebounds and four assists. I held on to him in a couple of leagues with no bench spots, and he is rewarding me now because of that extra opportunity. You know, he hasn't probably hasn't seen a shot that he doesn't like. Speaking of which, Terry Ross. What are we doing with Terry, Ethan? Uh, he has been very up and down and mostly down. You would think with this extra opportunity... That would be good for him, but he was one for eight from the field with three points, three rebounds, and two assists. Yeah, he got outplayed by Dwayne Bacon, 15 points, five rebounds, and an assist for Bacon on five of ten from the floor, including four threes. So, look, I think with Ross, he's the kind of player for me that I've never been sort of keen on drafting, only because he's such a streaky pr- producer, and when the, go- when the going is good, his, his contributions are sort of limited in scope. Not that they're not good and not that they can't help, but they're just limited. So if you're having, if you're somebody who has Ross on their team and you're looking at a situation where you can pick up somebody on the waiver wire who might be able to offer you some more sustainable production and or has more upside, I'm not against dropping that kind of player. I don't think you're going to look back and say, man, dropping Terrence Ross was the difference between me winning or not winning this league. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, no, I agree with you. So he is in that streaming kind of uh, situation. And and that means as well, he's someone that you can pick up and stream for a short term. I've picked him up. I had, I, I've, I held him everywhere I drafted him because I've just, he's done the right thing for me in the past. It's funny how you sometimes you sort of buy into that, don't you? But uh, yeah, he's, he's streaming. Another one like that at the moment is Dante DiVincenzo, where if you don't need steals, then he is droppable as well. Would you agree with that? I would, yeah. He's more of a specialist than anything else right now. 
Uh, another thing that is very special, and a, another person who is the specialist, the special is the bruise letter, the specialist is Aaron Bruski. Uh, this stuff is really good. And the bruise letter is actually back. I've been saying it's back all season. Well, 14,000 words arrived in your inbox, uh, I think about 48 hours ago, and I'm, I've digested it in a couple of sittings over a coffee. It's really great stuff. Last season uh, was my first season reading it uh, every time it came out, and it's just great stuff. Uh, it's filled with his most intimate fantasy nuggets, so 14,000 words of intimacy this time exclusive content it's not anywhere else on the it's not on the website not in any podcast it's not on social media it's the email newsletter and you can sign up for free go to bit.ly slash bruise letter 2021 and sign up in 10 seconds that's bit.ly slash bruise letter b-r-e-w-s letter 2021 he's going to do a follow-up soon he says and it's definitely worth looking out for aaron brewski straight to your inbox enjoy that what i always enjoy is damien Lillard going off and he went off uh well this is a sort of average game for him because he had 32 points, but gee, he's been good this season, and especially since CJ McCollum went out. The uh, Trailblazers, of course, won 132 points to 121 against the uh, Washington Wizards. You know those kind of big scores are going to come, don't you, with the Wizards. Lillard played 39 minutes. Those minutes are just huge. 32 points, two rebounds, eight assists, nine for 23 from the field. I don't know what you can say about him other than if you drafted him, you're very happy. What I wanted to ask you about, though, is sort of like the other guy. So Gary Trent Jr. had 26-3-3-2 today. Anthony Simons got hurt, and he was another one that was a potential streamer. He just had 13 minutes, uh, two points. Uh, Rodney Hood had 35 minutes, 15-2-2. Rocco had 19-9, an assist and a steal. So two questions here. Gary Trent Jr. remains a long stream, doesn't he, until... uh, CJ comes back. But what about Carmelo Anthony, who had 21-4, 1-1 today? Is Carmelo Anthony also a streamer, and is Robert Covington a definite hold? Yeah, so I think these are all great talking points because, I, you know, let's start with Melo. I'm a little surprised sometimes that he still doesn't get a little bit more recognition or a little bit more love in terms of being at least a point specialist, right? This team needs him to score. So if you're somebody who needs points on their team – then I think you could do worse than picking up Melo. I'm not exactly rushing out to pick him up necessarily, but at the same time, I think you could definitely do worse. As for Trent, absolutely, he, he stays on the radar. I mean, three-point specialist, he can score in volume, he can contribute in other areas across the stat sheet. So for me, you know, he's a guy who played 40 minutes tonight. And uh, Covington, I feel like most people who drafted him, uh, especially in a lot of leagues like I did, you say, well, finally, that's kind of the level of production I sort of expected from the get-go here, right? Because he was such a good fit on paper after being acquired from Houston. So certainly an encouraging sign. But to bring it back to Lillard, the one thing I will say about him, as good as he's been, especially since McCollum has gone out of the lineup, you know, after the game, he said that he could, quote, barely move at the beginning of this game due to an abdominal issue. And basically the only thing that's going to help is rest. So you know Lillard's going to keep playing through it as best as he can. But I think that's something to definitely keep an eye on if your team is sort of relying on him and or you're considering making a move for him. So a trade that I rejected recently was Kawhi Leonard for Lillard. Is that one you think I could revisit and consider? Your Lillard for their Kawhi? Yeah. Oof. Um, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because you wonder what's going to happen with Kawhi. Is he going to play back-to-backs in March, April? Yeah, right. I mean, that's without that hesitation, I feel like that's that's an easier answer. Is it a nine cat league? Yeah, nine cat. Yep. 
And by the way, the, yeah, the, thing that, the thing that makes it hard at the moment is it, it, this is the first time I actually thought about it when you bring up the risk of the injury risk with him being sort of overplayed, which is the last, like, you know, since CJ went down, he's been just amazing. And the team I have him in is absolutely dominating. Yeah, I mean, look, when, when you're one of your best players on your team is going well, right, you want to celebrate it. Like, there's a league where I got Kyrie Irving in the fourth round. So outside of that absence that he had, you've been killing it, especially from that perspective. That said, you know, you don't want to be too much of a prisoner of the moment, right? Because yeah. it's like sitting at a table in Vegas and you're up a significant amount of money. You just want to sit there and keep playing because you think you're going to win all night. But if you don't cut yourself off at the right point, you could wind up in the wrong situation. So I would just hate for for it to emerge where, you know, Lillard's going to have to sit for two weeks or something like that. And then you're really in a position where it's an unfortunate reality to confront. I feel like I would be okay with sending out Lillard for Kawhi, depending, especially depending on the structure of my team, right? Like if I'm, if I'm strong on the threes and I feel good about my assists, I feel, uh, yeah, I feel like I would probably do that. Yeah, and like Kawhi is number is second on a per game basis, and and he's actually second on totals as well. I think Jokic is the only one ahead of him. Uh, see, uh, Lillard is uh, ninth on totals. Well, he was before today. Sorry, ninth on per game before today. So they're all good options, but Kawhi Leonard has that just the upside. The field goal percentage is really good, and the uh, the the steals and blocks and everything else too. So interesting stuff there uh, with Portland. And teams where they have like guys who are going amazingly who get injured, they, it definitely becomes interesting. I mean, you find guys like Gary Trent Jr., who at the beginning of the season were an afterthought, suddenly uh, have a lot of value. So the Washington Wizards are another team that have just uh, a lot of fantasy talking points. Bradley Beal had 37 points on 14 for 24 shooting. What can you say about him other than just uh, you feel very happy if you drafted him, especially as late as the second round where he's going. What about Russell Westbrook, though? Uh, today, he was 7-15, which is okay. Uh, he had 17 points, 11 rebounds, uh, sorry, 12 rebounds, 10 assists, uh, no steals and no blocks, and had four turnovers. So he's basically had a decent triple-double there. I actually, I've got him in a few leagues, and I almost left him on the bench in the weekly league because I was concerned about him destroying my percentages in nine category. Is that a crazy thought to have if you've got a pretty good team? Like I, I was considering, do I start Jordan Clarkson this week instead of him? Because I don't want to lose three categories. I don't want to get smashed in turnovers and percentages. No, I don't think it's crazy, but I mean, if you, if you stuck with Russell Westbrook this long, or at least while he was playing prior to the time he had off due to resting his injury, then I think I'd be rolling him out there because for me, if he finally says he's healthy, you know, obviously he had a huge game against Brooklyn the other night. And then, you know, it looks semi-efficient with this sort of effort. You know, you drafted him where you drafted him. So for me, smoke him where you got him. That's a good one. Smoke him while you got him. Uh, Rui Hachimura, speaking of smoking him while you got him, because this he went off. He had 24 uh, and 5 with one assist. He's only really like a points league streamer and a deep league guy, isn't he? We don't believe this. 10 for 12 from the field. Yeah, I mean, look, he, he sort of admitted he was like, it, it's, he's had a hard time getting back into the swing of things after dealing with COVID, which, you know, nobody could blame him for. I think there are a, there's a lot to his game that we haven't yet seen. The scenery around him has been changing since he got there. So I believe that he can be more, but it's unlikely he's going to shoot 10 of 12 on every night. 
So unless he's going to score, you know, 17 plus every night and or contribute in more than that particular category, it's going to be hard for him to create the sort of value that I think a lot of people want to associate with his name right now. Mm. Uh, speaking of uh, people not uh, creating value, Robin Lopez had just two points and one rebound. If you were streaming him as a center for rebounds, uh, he only had one, so he's a drop. Uh, Davis Bertans is another guy. I think he's droppable. He had six points and one rebound. If you've been hanging on to him all season, he had two for 10, two for 10 from deep as well. Bertans, he sh- probably shouldn't be on 12 teams anymore, should he? It's been really frustrating, right? Like they gave him a huge contract. He did play 30 minutes in this game, but six points on two of 10. I mean, just something doesn't feel right there. So it's hard to keep investing in a bad stock. And he just hasn't been a return on investment at really any point so far this season. Uh, Speaking on return on investment, one thing you can get a big return on is five bucks a month for the Fantasy Pass. It's still the best deal in the industry, just $4.99 a month. And now we're into the regular season. There is zero commitment. Sign up for one month for five bucks. If you don't like it, you can cancel. We know you'll love it, but it's always nice to have that option. Of course, hey, five bucks. Just don't buy one cappuccino next month. Just reduce your cappuccinos from uh, 15 to 14 and you can afford that and you know what i'll buy you one the next month if you think it's not good it's got everything you'll need to dominate all year long updated projections new fantasy appraiser tools schedule streaming charts pickups drops and our newest coolest feature the hoop ball discord server where you can hang out with all the pros around the clock and get one-on-one help with your team so check it out head to hoop-ball.com and click on click on the fantasy pass ad just below the main media wall it's uh really great stuff i tell you what else is great. Uh, great is Sabonis and the Indiana Pacers. Although they've been a bit up and down of late, but they uh, they snapped the Grizzlies' win streak. Grizzlies have been good since they come, came back from uh, that, that COVID sit that they had for a few games. 134 to 116. We'll start with the Grizzlies. Dylan Brooks is not very good at fantasy and not very good at real basketball usually. If you look at his um, plus minus and his win shares and stuff, uh, the defensive side, the offensive side is really bad, but he had 25, 3, and 1 with three steals today on 10 for 18. We're not drinking this Kool-Aid, are we? Look, I, I like the idea of Dylan Brooks more than I like Dylan Brooks. <laughs> occasionally, he's occasionally, he's going to have a game like this where you say, man, like why, why, isn't, uh, why isn't he a more popular player? The opportunity is going to continue to be there for him. He's never going to be somebody who helps your field goal percentage. But if he can shoot even 45% with the volume of shots he's taking and score the basketball from behind the three-point line and continue to contribute defensively, then sure, he can have sustainable value. But right now, I think he's best left as a streamer. You know, Ja, he survived the ankle scare the other night. Didn't really have a great game. Encouraging to see him uh, continue to contribute in the defensive stats two steals and a block for him. That's something that can really help his value. And I'm curious to see what what shape this Grizzlies team sort of takes, especially as they get Jonas Valanciunas eventually back from the COVID list as well. Yeah, I think the, the Jonas Valanciunas stuff means like for us to talk about Brandon Clark and Tillman and the big guys, Deng, uh, Jang, all those things is a bit rough, but we can talk about DeAnthony Melton. I picked him up in about five leagues and he had two huge games in a row. In fact, top those two games were top five in fantasy for those two games combined. And you see why today he fell back to 22 minutes and I was watching 
his line. Uh, I was doing a bit of box score watching up until about halftime, and I was like, oh, God, he's had two shots. He's got two points and, like, one rebound and one assist. But look at this, the end line, 12 points, two rebounds, six assists, two blocks in just 22 minutes on four of eight shooting, and he hit a three-pointer, and he was perfect at the foul line. Yeah, so again, for me, he's a guy who, if you told me he was going to play 22 minutes even, preferably 25, okay? Mm. But even if you were going to tell me that he could play 22 minutes a night, every night, then I'd be a lot more interested in him. But the fact that where from where this production is coming from in terms of the game flow, that's the only thing that I just it, – it, it holds me back from being entirely excited. And this is coming from a guy who was all over DeAnthony Melton towards the end of every draft he was in, right? So I've added and dropped DeAnthony Melton over the course of this season quite a bit as well. It's now been three games in a row. I love to see it, but I need to see it in the greater context in order to really, really believe again the way that I want to. Yeah, it's one of those things I, I... – I put in waiver wire bids for him and free agent leagues where I just grabbed him. The waiver wire ones, I put bids in, but I didn't put much money on. And I just said, I'll get him where I get him. And anywhere where someone wants to pay more, I'll let them get him. Because my theory as well with leagues is I don't like to have one guy in more than 33% of my leagues or something. So I've got about 15 leagues. And so about something like about four leagues, I think 16 actually, like four leagues is like... Five at the absolute maximum is what I would take somebody because you just get hurt if they get injured, you know. Um, so having that diversity is important. But, gee, the upside he has, and those just two blocks today from the guard position, you cannot complain about that. For the Indiana Pacers, uh, where do we start? It's always Sabonis, isn't it? He had 32, 13, 5, and 2. 13 for 15 from the field. You just not much to say about him. Miles Turner is having just a magic season as well. He had 22, 11, three assists, and five blocks. You got any Miles Turner? In fact, I do. I have quite a bit of Miles Turner. In fact, he was probably my best fantasy pick of the entire draft. And, you know, it looks like they've finally figured out, or more specifically, Miles Turner has finally figured out how to play alongside Sabonis and, you know, continue to produce. 22 points, 11 rebounds, five blocks. I mean, just another spectacular night. Throw the three threes on top. That's just a cherry on top. I mean, Miles Turner has been nothing short of phenomenal. He's going to be a league winner in a lot of leagues this year. Yeah, it's because he's return. He's returning late first round value. It's just been amazing. Jeremy Lamb is another story. He had 19, 5, and 3 with one steal on 6 for 9 shooting. If you stashed him on your IR or if you grabbed him off the wire, you're very happy with that. Malcolm Brogdon keeps churning along. He had 23, 2, and 7 with one steal on efficient 9 for 16 from the field. Just, uh, just a lot of value on this team. And it is really good stuff. I tell you what else is really good stuff. Any Brooklyn game is good if you're t- if you've got players playing against them or for them. They won today behind the aforementioned your guy Kyrie. He had 39 points as they won, and Kyrie's efficiency is just incredible, isn't it? He's 15 for 23 from the field, six for eight from deep, three for three from the foul line with his 39, five and two with a steal and two blocks. And I think we talked about this, or if I didn't talk about it with you, I was talking about it with someone else. He's getting blocks as well because because his defense is not that great. People are just putting up all kinds of ridiculous shots in his face and he he's swatting some of them. He's, he's averaging 1.5 blocks over the last couple of weeks. It's over the last month, actually. You know, it's it's really interesting with Kyrie because I think the efficiency is one of the one of the aspects of his game 
that a lot of people overlook or don't necessarily understand fully about him. And only one turnover for Kyrie in this one. So, you know, just a gem of a line. And the fact that he's just such a naturally gifted scorer. And it's been fun to watch the Nets, obviously, with uh, KD, with Kyrie, and with Harden all together. They're clearly still figuring it out. But they're gonna want, they're gonna win a lot of games based on talent alone, and if those guys are all playing at you know efficient, optimal levels, I mean Kevin Durant was 11 of 13 from the floor tonight. It's gonna be hard to beat them. I mean the Clippers scored 120 points in this game and lost, so that sort of tells you what kind of offensive firepower the Nets can offer. And I was reading an article on the Ringer about uh, their their offensive offensive efficiency and even their their closing of games with Jeff Uncle Jeff Green as I like to call him in the lineup and Joe Harris. They're both like Jeff Green is shooting forty five percent on open looks and Harris is shooting forty nine percent. And of course, with James Harden and Kyrie and Durant spacing the floor, that makes sense. Of course, I mean, look this this Nets team is the one on paper where you look at it and go. Wow, Kyrie, Harden, and Durant, it's literally an all-star team. So if they can make it work in terms of the small ball lineup, now I think they're going to have challenges, especially as the season gets into the postseason and all of that. But if they can make it work with that small ball lineup and sort of fill in the parts otherwise, they're going to be a team that a, that a lot of players are going to want to play for. That's what we see happen with any good team. And, you know, they'll continue to continue to be able to supplement their roster based on that. But they did lose a lot of depth in acquiring James Harden. Obviously, that said, he's James Harden. Yeah, and, and for guys who have the other guys on this team, like Harris and Jeff Green, I've got both of them on quite a few uh, teams. They are... Uh, they were not great today. Uh, Jeff Green had seven, four, and one, and Joe Harris had 13, four, and three, but he hit three three-pointers. Uh, both of them are worth hanging on to, aren't they? Because Green's been providing top 75 value, and Harris is even around the top 50 mark because of his three-pointers. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, these aren't guys who deserve to be in any sort of consideration for dropping at this point in the season based on where the Nets are. So continue to roll them out there. Okay, for the Clippers, uh, Kawhi Leonard, we talked about him. He had 33-5-5 five five with four steals and two blocks. Wow. I mean, the guy's brilliant, you know. He, he's 8-9 from the free throw line. He's got a three to throw in there. Zero, count him, zero turnovers for Kawhi. And he was a plus seven in his 39 minutes in a four-point loss. So it just tells you what kind of player he is. He is incredibly dominant. It doesn't. It doesn't look like you know he's being slowed by his injury by his chronic sort of injury concern. Uh, he's not the uh, most gifted runner up and down the floor that I've ever seen. But hell, neither am I. So who am I to judge? So as long as he continues to get it done, you know the Clippers are going to be in good shape. They just ran up against a tough opponent tonight. Paul George had twenty six four and six with two steals. You know, and, and although it wasn't his most efficient shooting night, only eleven of twenty four. That's one shot away from 50%, three threes for him. So, look, when Kawhi and PG can combine for nearly 60 points, it's usually a better night for the Clippers in terms of the final outcome. Yeah. Uh, the other guy who had a big game for them tonight was Nicholas Batum. He had 21 and 6 with a steal on 7 for 10 shooting. Reggie Jackson I've streamed in a few places, and I'm pretty happy with that because he had 9 and 5 with 4 assists and 2 steals, 35 minutes. If Reggie Jackson is getting, like, 30 to 35 minutes he has value in 12 teams doesn't he of course i mean that's a huge opportunity and he's obviously playing with good players alongside him and 
You know, Patrick Beverly doesn't sound like he's going to be back in the near future. Lou Williams has sort of settled into his role on this team, and the rotation is short. Luke Kennard only played four minutes in this one. So for me, he's a guy who should have plenty of runway so long as Pat Bev is out of the lineup. Uh, speaking of plenty of runway, uh, well, <laughs> that's the right segue into this read. But anyway, it's Valentine's Day coming up. Two million penner men are already using Manscaped products to groom. Make sure you're one of them. Valentine's Day is upon us. Uh, you don't know where the night is going to take you. And our friends at Manscaped, the global leaders in men's below-the-waist grooming, are here to tell you you need to use the best tools for the job. If your girl can't think of what to get you this year, tell her to get the gift that's for you and for her. The best way to get started is with the Manscaped Perfect, Perfect Package 3.0 full of the best products to keep you looking, smelling, and feeling nice. The perfect package, of course, is led by the revolutionary third-generation lawnmower 3.0 trimmer with its advanced skin-safe technology, which prevents uh, any messes on the bathroom floor and stuff like that because it's waterproof. Uh, you, that's very important when it's time for Cupid to shoot his arrow, of course. The perfect package also comes with a pair of Manscaped boxes that will keep your junk feeling fresh all day. It's time to upgrade those over the old used a stinky pair of boxes you have to these high-performance anti-chafing boxes. Complete your grooming game with a new refined cologne signature scent by Manscaped. That's the signature scent that's in all Manscaped formulas. This cologne is a perfect complement to your collection. So all of this is the perfect package for your perfect package. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com. That is HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com. 20% off and free shipping your balls and the people who enjoy them will thank you. Uh, Detroit versus Utah. This one, wow, what has been going on? Since we started this show, this has got a lot closer. It's 108 to 101. Uh, the Jazz were winning by about 20 points when we started recording. They sure were. And all of a sudden, maybe it was the fact that Blake Griffin ripped his jersey uh, in down the middle at halftime. Maybe that's what inspired them. Whatever it is, the Pistons are sort of mounting a furious comeback. And Jeremy Grant, as expected, is, is leading them with the high score, at least for right now, with 25 points. But just behind him is uh, Mr. Josh Jackson with 22 points off the bench. So, you know, Blake Griffin is not exactly uh, lighting it up despite the uh, attempted ripped – or I shouldn't even say attempted ripped jersey. He ripped the damn jersey. But 12 shot attempts with only 11 points for Mr. Griffin. So, you know, the uh, Pistons, I would say, may be winning in spite of him instead of because of him. Now, uh, let's just hit one talking point for each of these four remaining teams as this is going on. Wayne Ellington, who was one of the most popular streamers in fantasy basketball uh, five days ago. This is his second stinker in a row. One for seven from the field, um, 18 minutes. Uh, Josh Jackson is getting a bit more play and we assume that Wayne Ellington is not the one who got them back in the game. So how many games, bad games, or how long of bad production do you put up with, with a guy who just went on one of the all time three point streaks? I try not to get caught up in, in the past and only project toward the future. And, you know, with Wayne Ellington, we've seen this from him before, not necessarily in terms of, you know, six, three, seven threes every night, but we've seen this from him before in terms of being a streaky three-point shooter, being able to be a streamer, being able to be a contributor. But he's kind of like uh, the stock market. You got to get it while it's good, and then you got to get out before it's bad. Right now it's bad. I personally wouldn't hesitate to move on. Mm, okay. For the Jazz, Jonathan Mitchell is having a great a great game. He had, he's got 32, uh, 6, and 1 as we speak on 10 for 16 shooting. Mike Conley, he's had a good season uh, so far, much better than last season. He is 22 uh, and 4 with one steal as we speak. Uh, Joe Ingles, uh, 
he's more of a streamer guy. He's just had five points in the game today. And Jordan Clarkson, I mentioned, 12, no rebounds, one assist. Now, Clarkson, is he a season-long hold, even if he drops off? Because his, his field goal percentage uh, up until like about a week or two ago was just incredible. And he was like top 60 on the season. But the last two weeks, he's back around that 130 mark. Does that mean he is droppable if uh, it goes on for a bit? Uh, I wouldn't. I think he's a guy that you hold on to. He's really carved out a nice role with Utah. You know, Joe Ingles and sort of his semi-evolving role with this team is definitely something to keep an eye on because, you know, there's only so much playing time for everybody to sort of share around. That said, Jordan Clarkson is definitely somebody who's capable of helping you out. So not a drop candidate for me. A couple of quick points from this game too. Um, Bojan Bogdanovic uh, just had 12, he's just a 12, 3 and 3 with a steal. But have a look if he's on a wire. I scooped you up in one league because he's been on an absolute heater. And Mason Plumley, he has some sort of a few poor games and he might get dropped in places, but 17 and 14 with two assists from him on 7 for 11 shooting. So just have a look if where he's at. Now, the last game is the Boston Celtics up against the Golden State Warriors. And it looks like the Celtics are probably going to get up as 106 to 99 with a few minutes to go. Now, for the Celtics, let me just ask you a question instead of reading all these boxes out. Uh, of their big men, would you pick up or hold any of them, including Daniel Tice? So I think Daniel Tice has got to be rostered in most leagues. I think that's been the case for a while. Tristan Thompson is certainly a guy you could look at if you need rebounds. You know, I don't know that you could rely on him for much else besides field goal percentage. I'm most intrigued by Robert Williams. I, I, I love the Time Lord. I'm, I'm kind of all in on the Time Lord, but only eight and a half minutes in this game. Part of that is matchup with, with Golden State, especially with Wiseman out of the lineup and Looney leaving this game uh, with an injury early. So, you know, I would be I would be holding Robert Williams. But if, if you want to have Tristan Thompson on your team for the reasons identified, that's fine. And Daniel Tice, the guy who should be rostered in 12-team leagues. So I think there's space for all of them. But that that's sort of – therein lies the confusion, shall we say. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's just frustrating for me. I think uh, Robert Williams is the only one I'm holding in sort of leagues where I'm very good and I can stash him today, just like you said, eight minutes. But the blocks and the rebounds in the – like even in 15 minutes, he has value. Thompson had uh, 13 and eight to this point. So like you said, there's a near double-double right there. For the Golden State Warriors, we're always watching Kelly Oubre Today, 5 for 11, so not disgusting with his shooting, but just 12 points, one rebound and two assists. He's been disappointing, but I will keep holding him. Stephen Curry, wow. 35 and 10 with seven assists, three steals, 12 for 19 from the field. You're not disappointed if you grabbed him in the middle of the first round, are you? No, no, you're not. And looks like my bold prediction of Trey Young being a better fantasy asset than Stephen Curry is likely going to go by the wayside. But, hey, I'm happy to be wrong there. He's... Curry's really lighting it up this year, and you know he needs to for the Warriors to have any chance of sustained success. So if you were able to nab him, especially as a quote-unquote backup plan, I think you did pretty well for yourself. Yeah, and actually Trey's been really good the last couple of weeks, though. He's in, I think he's yeah. sixth or seventh over the last two weeks. So I've got a few Trey's and a couple of Steph Curry's, and I'm not upset about either of them. The other thing I'm not upset about is you joining me on a Tuesday night, Ethan. That was a heap of fun. Thank you for putting up with the few technical issues and stuff I had at my end. I really do appreciate your patience and your acumen, which is absolutely first class. My brother, enjoy the rest of your evening, and thank you so much for joining us. It's all good. That's what it's about. Happy to be here every time. Thank you, sir. 
This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.